0: Well, I was sitting up here at the front, so I didn't know exactly how many there were of you out here. We're glad to have you today. Glad you're a part of this church, and uh, I am like many of you that are in this room. Uh, I'm looking forward to an exciting day when you move out of the gym back into the worship center. You know, I know that many of you have are looking forward to that. A few weeks ago, I was here and visiting with Lyndall, and And uh, he took me through and showed me all the new things that were taking place. And I could just see the excitement in his face that it was getting close to the end. And uh, I know that uh, you're excited about that also. And so that's coming about pretty soon, the way I understand. And so uh, I know that Hal is probably really excited about getting back into uh, the other room. But we're glad that you're able to do this. We're glad that you're able to be here today. This is the uh, end of spring break. Now, many of you are like me. You don't have uh, necessarily any. My wife, who was a a high school guidance counselor for years, and spring break was always a big deal for us because it was another time we could go on vacation. But uh, since she is retired, we can do that just about any time. And so spring break doesn't always mean a big thing. But I will just tell you because uh, you're a part of Texas Baptist, it is a big thing among Texas Baptists. And the reason I say that is because uh, your church is a, a big giver uh, to the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And as you give, uh, you're giving two missions through us. And sometimes you're going, well, what are we buying? What are we paying for? What, What is the value in all of this? And here's one thing that takes place during spring break, and that is we have what's called Beach Reach. And we have students, they're college students, from across the state. They're all a part of the Baptist student ministries from different colleges. And they flood the coast, uh, Padre Island. And they flood that area because... That is an area where all the college students seem to want to go at spring break. And so we have students that flood that area to share the gospel. And they do it in a very unique way. And, but every year during spring break, we have over 1,000 students who go to share the gospel. And normally, we have close to a 1,000 students. Decisions for Christ from students. And so you're a part of that. You're helping pay for some of that. Uh, Our Texas Baptist men usually go and set up different places along the coast on the beach where they serve breakfast. And they serve breakfast all day long. You know, it's college students. You know, they're out all night breakfast might be at two o'clock in the afternoon for some of them but they serve breakfast all day long and uh, our Texas Baptist men those volunteers serve pancakes and eggs and those kind of things all day long and the students that are coming help share the gospel with those who are eating breakfast it's a free breakfast and um, you know what college student doesn't like free breakfast you know and so it is, a, it is a big event, and uh, you get to be a part. And it is for high school students. place during spring break is an event called Bounce. And it is for high school students. And we have high school students, uh, youth groups across the state, different churches that take their or participate with Bounce. And uh, it is, they do mission trips. And the last few years, the mission trips have been, Uh, with the disaster relief, with the hurricane that came through a couple of years ago, all of the construction and those kind of things that are along that coastal region. And uh, this year we had, I'm not sure exactly how many, but close to a thousand students that participated in Bounce from across the state. And uh, you help support all of that ministry. And so those are just a couple of things that you do and um, so this year when uh, you come to budget time and you see that item called cooperative program and you're going what is that and someone says well that's the money that we send to the Baptist General Convention of Texas and some of it stays in the state of Texas and some of it moves on to the Southern Baptist Convention you are all a part of that and when you see that I want you to just be reminded of this that you're not giving either to the Southern Baptist Convention you're not giving to the Baptist General Convention of Texas what you're doing is you're you're supporting missions through these organizations we don't make a profit we don't have anything here to make a profit on all of that money is passed on for mission work and uh, so We're excited about uh, your participation in that and the other 5,600 plus churches across Texas that are a part of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Now, that's probably enough of that. Y'all didn't come here to hear about statistics or all those kind of things. You came here today about God's Word. I I want us to go to 2 Timothy, if you would. That's where we're going to find ourselves today. We're going to look at Second Timothy chapter three, and uh, this is an amazing text. Well, one of the reasons I think of about it, this being an amazing text is because how relevant it is for us today. We often think uh, we, we might find people who say, "Well, you know, the Bible is just not relevant; it doesn't necessarily speak to us today." Well, I think uh, this passage of scripture really speaks to us today. Gives a challenge to us as a church it gives us a challenge how do we respond if you're like me you you listen to the news you're like me kind of worried about all of that place in our world and you might be also like me kind of worried about all of that and you might be thinking how do we respond how as a believer am i to respond in this light of of the culture in which we live, in these times in which we live, how am I supposed to respond to this? What is my responsibility through all of this and in all of this? What is my responsibility? What is the church's responsibility in this? How should we respond in this culture? Now, we look in this passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want to just read this to you. In the first five verses, Paul, as he writes to Timothy, it sounds like he is writing in the, this 21st century. It just seems that all of a sudden he is, because everything he says is so true. And he says to Timothy, I remember Timothy is this mentor that he has. This, he is trying to mentor him. And, uh, and so he says to Timothy, he says, I want you to mark this down, Timothy. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Let's stop there for a moment. Is that true or not? Are we lovers of ourselves? How many of you have ever heard of a selfie? We kind of like to take pictures of ourselves and then send them out to everybody. Selfies. We, people are, will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. We don't have to talk about that much. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love To do with them. Now I don't know how many adjectives Paul has used here to describe the last days. But every adjective that he describes here and uses speaks to today. Proud. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Rash. Conceited. Unholy, ungrateful and we could go on. Wow. He just speaks out and we're going. man he says Paul lives with me and he hears the same, same things I hear and he sees the same things that I'm seeing in our world today. and Paul is saying, Timothy, mark this down. these Things will happen in the end times. So that's the culture we live in. That's the culture. That's the kind of where we are in all of these things. And Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, that things are going to get better or things are going to get worse because really they're going to probably get worse before they get better. You know? But what do we do? We live in this time. Does Paul have a word for us? Does God have a word for us? Well, he does. And the word that Paul has for Timothy is a word for us. And this is really our text today. It's found in the next few verses, beginning in verse 4. Or I meaning verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 10. He says, Now you, Timothy, however, he could say that to us, couldn't he? You. However, know about my teachings, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium. And Lystra, the persecution I endured, yet the Lord has rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While every man, or every, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for and is useful for teaching Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instructions, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Now, in this passage of Scripture, what we find here is Paul is, he's, he just shared with Timothy, he says, in these last days, this is what's going to take place. But for you, but for you, Timothy, I wanted to share with you what he said to Timothy he could say to us. But for you, First Baptist Church Weatherford, but for you, Here's the challenge for us. Here is how we need to focus and live our life in these times and in the culture that he has placed us. And the first thing he says to Timothy is this. He says, I want you to follow the faithful. Now, he said it in a different way than that, but this is exactly what he is talking about. He is saying to him, he said to him in this way. He says, but you, however... Know about my teaching and my way and my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecution and suffering. And, he says, but for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. He's saying to Timothy here, in that passage of scripture, he's saying, You have, you have seen how I have walked, you have heard how I have walked and he says I want you to follow me all right Paul was a maybe a little more confident than I am today all right I I wouldn't tell you necessarily to follow me I I I just probably wouldn't do that but Paul says to Timothy I want you to follow me follow my example no I think most of us probably kind of feel a little bit more humble than that. We don't necessarily want people necessarily following us. But I want to just tell you this: more than likely, somebody is watching you. Somebody's watching you. My my father was a a Baptist preacher, and um, his in. My entire life, my dad was involved in the church and in ministry, and uh, he pastored for over 40 years, and and he's just a, for me, he's an amazing man. Um, For me, I can't remember very many of those. I just remember how much of an amazing man he was. In that not only did he preach the gospel, he lived the gospel. He was an amazing person with, uh, you know, he was a, a man's man all of his life. And, and uh, he, he, he had just an amazing way of, of sharing the gospel with other men. Just amazing. And so when I think of when Paul says, follow the faithful. I think of that example, I think of my father, and I think, you know what? I want to be like him. I know I can't be in every way, but I want to end, and I want to finish strong like my dad. I want to do that. My my dad had, in his life, people he followed. I know he did. My great-great-grandfather... My great grandfather was a a Baptist preacher. And he had a lot of influence on my father. And I've heard many a time my my father saying, I want to be like my grandfather. Life, there's someone that you have followed. There's someone maybe that you're still following. And you're going, I want to be like that. Not only when I grow up, but I want to be like that now. Now, that's that's really good, and that's well, and that's what Paul is saying. But I want to flip this just a little bit to make this application here today. I want to make this application. I want you to realize that there's probably someone who's following you. There's probably someone who has their eyes on you. And they're going, you know what? I sure wish I could be like Randy or Kevin or John or Robert or Sue, Mary, Martha. I want to be like them. Who in your life do you follow? And who's following you? If we're going to live in this culture, we need to realize that there's others that have gone before us who have shown us the way. And we need to realize that maybe we're showing others how to do it. We need to be faithful in our walk with Christ. Uh, A second thing we find Paul sharing with Timothy, he not only said, follow the faithful, but he also said in, in, in verse 14, we find him saying, Timothy, return to the Bible for guidance. And, and again, we find in this passage of Scripture, if you look at these, these verses that I read, you take your you know, pencil or your pen and you, every time where he says, but for you, mark that, you'll find that every time he gives him another truth. And here he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you have known it from, you have learned it. And from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And then he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul reminds Timothy here. He reminds us. Where do we need to go for guidance in these most difficult days? You know, it's so easy, maybe, to turn on the radio and, and go. I'm going, to, I'm going to listen to Rush Limbaugh and I'm going to follow him or I'm going to turn on the TV and find out what Oprah thinks. Well, Or I'm going to listen to the news and I'm going to find out what's on the news and find out what those you know, little tidbits of things, what they're sharing with me and how I need to live. When the truth of the matter is, for all of us, We need to go back to Scripture. We need to go back here to God for guidance. He has given us this book. He has given us this to guide us. And notice what he says. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed. And what he's saying there is this. All of this has come from me. This is from me. He's given us his guide. We want to know how to live. We want to know how to love. We want to know how to be a parent. We want to know how we need to treat our neighbor. We need to know how to get along in church. Here's how. It's all here. But I'm fearful that our house and most of our homes... This is probably the book that you have the most copies of in your house, but probably the one that is least read. If we're going to survive in this culture in which we live, we need to get back to the Bible. So let me just suggest to you, find a time. Find a time every day that you can spend in God's Word. Maybe that time for you is in the morning. Maybe that time for you is at lunch while you're having lunch. Maybe you're having lunch alone and you can take your Bible with you and you can open it up. And it's amazing nowadays, you don't even have to have this. If you have a smartphone, you can put on, on that smartphone, you can put on the Scriptures in there as an app, and you can look that up anytime. Some of you men, you're like me, you go with your wife to the mall occasionally, not because you want to, but because you love her. Okay? And often when I go to the mall with my wife or I go shopping with my wife, and she just loves for me to go with her, and it's like pulling teeth for me to do that. But I go with her because I love her, and she wants me to go. And so often I will find me a place that I can lean up against a post while she's doing her shopping and looking around and and all those kind of things. And I can just open up Scripture. And I can read Scripture. Find times that you can read God's Word. Put them in your life. Put them in your life. All right. The third thing Paul says he says to Timothy he says now not only do you need guidance but he says I also want you to proclaim the truth we live in a time in a culture where we need to be sharing God's Word we need to be sharing our stories of faith we need to be sharing with others about Jesus Christ because if you're like me and you truly believe that Jesus, and it is the issue for homes today Jesus Christ is is the answer for all of those things in our lives if you truly believe that then we ought to be sharing that share the truth and so paul shares with timothy in chapter 4 and verse 1 he says in the presence of god and in christ who judged the living and the dead and in view of his appearing i give you this charge preach the word Now, in the Greek, that is in the aorist tense. And it is with that kind of emphasis. Preach the word. It is a command. It is a command to do it now. When you tell your children, or in my case, when I tell my grandchildren to shut the door, The first time I might just say to them, will you shut the door? Please shut the door. That kind of thing. Now, that's a command. But often they don't listen to that. Often their mind is somewhere else. And then I have to go and I'll pick on my oldest grandson. I'll go, Zane, shut the door. Now, see, that would be kind of the heiress tense, okay? You get that idea? And so Paul was using that kind of thing with Timothy. He says, I'm going to give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. I think he was serious. And then he says, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. He shares with him how to do this. He says, be prepared in season and out of season. I pastored out uh, in the, the uh, Corsicana area when I was in seminary at this place called Dawson, First Baptist Church, Dawson, Texas. And uh, uh, I had a man in my church, and he was kind of crazy. He was he was fun to be around, but uh, he loved to hunt. And not only did he, when he hunt, he, he would kill things, he would eat them, and then he, he would also stuff them, you know. He, he was, uh, he had all kinds of things that he had, Mounted on the wall, different things. And he said one time, he says, Pastor, you know, he says, uh, sometime when I go hunting, would you like to go with me? I said, well, sure. Mark, I'd love to go hunting with you. So he, he came by one day. He says, hey, Pastor, I'm looking at going hunting tonight. I said, tonight? Yeah, tonight. I said, you, you're not supposed to hunt at night. He said, I'm going to go deer hunting. Deer hunting. I said, it's not even deer season. And he says, no, it's not. But my freezer is empty. I need a deer. And I said, Mark, I said, if you get caught, there's a big penalty. And he says, I know. He says, but I want to know if you'd go with me. I'm going, no, I'm not going with you. I said, it's wrong, Mark. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, in the Bible, it says in season and out of season. (laughs) Now, he was quoting this verse right here. Okay? And I looked at him and go, Mark, you know better. That's not what that means. And he kind of looked at me and says, oh, you're right, and I don't know if he got a deer or not. But anyway, he was kind of crazy. What that means is this, though. Be prepared at all times to share your faith. Be prepared at all times. All times. Be prepared. And then he gives us these other instructions about it. He says, you know, use it to correct To rebuke, to encourage. Sometimes we're pretty good about using Scripture to rebuke somebody or to correct somebody. But he says also use it to encourage. And then he says, he gives him this. He says, do it with great patience and careful instructions." We need to know Scripture. We need to be able to share it. We need to be able to proclaim it in that way. And then there's a fourth thing. If we're going to live in this culture that we live in today, we need to do this. We need to keep the faith. Timothy, or Paul says to Timothy in in verse 5, he says again, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So in this coupling of ideas here, Paul is saying to us this, keep the faith, keep the faith. How do we keep our faith? And here he says, keep your head. When when I was in high school, I, I played sports and. And the sport that I enjoyed the most was basketball. I really enjoyed playing basketball. But I have often had just a, I had a real bad habit of losing my temper. I mean, a really bad habit of losing my temper on the court. And I got a really bad reputation of losing my temper on the, on the basketball court. And my dad would, my dad would lecture me. And, uh, you know, he would talk to me about it. And the one thing he would remind me of is this. He would say, now, Danny, you need to keep your head. You, you lose your temper, then, then you lose control. And he would say, keep your head. Keep your head. And, and often, right before a game, he would pat me on the back and say, play hard, but keep your head. And I knew exactly what he was saying. You know, in our life, we, in this culture we live in, it's so easy for us to lose control, to get mad, to get angry, to get frustrated. Paul would say to us, now, keep the faith. Keep your head. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. And then he says, endure hardship because it's not going to be easy. And then he says, now do the work of an evangelist. Share the gospel. Be out there doing it. And then he says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Every gift that you have, every God-given gift that you've been given, you need to be using that for the glory of God. You need to be doing that from now until the very end. We don't finish, folks. There's not a retirement plan. He says, endure your hardships. Do the work of evangelists.'" Discharge all the duties. And then, a passage of Scripture that I did not read, but I'm going to read it now. Because as Paul came to the very end of this, he comes to these words to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wow. We often look at those words, and we think of—we're reminded of Paul, and we think about Paul, how he finished the race, how he finished the course, and he's using that athletic terms, and he's talking about coming to the very end of the race, finishing the race. I know by looking at me, you can't see this. There's some reasons the way I I look the way I am. But I used to run. Now, that is the word that's used to. And uh, I participated in a lot of 10Ks, and and, um, I did a half marathon one time, did some things like that. And I really enjoyed that until my knees gave way and now I look like I look, okay? That's a good enough excuse, all right? That and overeating. But I used to run. And, and I can still remember the, the first race that I got into. I was convinced of or uh, prided, to, you know, prided to, to join some guys running a 10K. Now, I had never done that before. I wasn't even sure that I could run that far. And, you know, 10K, k—that's what that is is about six miles, okay? And you might think, why does anybody want to run six miles when you can drive? Well, that's a good question, too, all right? But I got in this race. Now, now I will just tell you up front, I had no illusions in my head that I would win the race. No, I, I was not, I, I was not running necessarily to win. I knew what the winning... R- record was I knew I didn't have a chance of being in the winner's circle but I will tell you this I had every intent to finish the race I I wanted to finish the race I don't care how tough it was going to get I didn't care how rough it was going to get and I will tell you out in West Texas where I was running it was going I was doing really good Until those last three miles, when I turned back around and had to run back into the wind. Running with the wind wasn't too bad. Those last three miles into the wind, oh my, my side hurt, my legs hurt. My head was saying to me, You're crazy, just stop. But something within me said, I am not going to quit. I'm going to finish the race. I, You know, honey, I just didn't finish the race. I'm not about to do that. My boys knew and my daughter knew that I was running this race. They're going to ask, Dad, did you finish the race? Man, I tell you what. I got around to that last part of the race. I could see the finish line it was about 300 yards ahead and man i got a second win. i got to looking around and i got to thinking you know i saw this person up there i'm going man, that's a that's an old man up there you know i'm looking over there i'm going man that that person's got 30 pounds on me they're ahead of me you know that i i am not going to let them beat me and so I upped it up, you know, and, I, I, and, and as I went by them, they looked at me and said, I ain't going to let you win. And we had this knockdown, down drag out toward the finish line. But you know what? When I came across the finish line, I was finished. Man, it took everything out of me. But you know what? finished and there was something about that that made me do it again and do it again because there's something about finishing I want to give you this challenge today we we might live in the last days It, it might be that Christ is going to come at any moment That that could very well be. But I want to also give you this challenge. I want you to think about it this way. I want you to be challenged to finish the race. How do you do that? You do that by following the faithful. You do that by by depending on God's word to guide you. You do that by, by keeping your head and being faithful that go at it but finish the race finish the